Hi! Welcome to Original Character Do Not Steal, the podcast where I let you tell me about your OC. I'm Scout Shiro, cosplayer, writer, general nuisance. Um, and today I have with me Fallon America's Burden. Hello, how are you, Scout? I'm sneepy. It's it's a very sneepy day for me. I'm also sneepy. I woke up at 1.30 p.m. That's how it be sometimes. But you had your day off today, yeah? I did. My one of my one of my rare days off. It's good though. Important. True. Some of y'all probably know Fallon from the extremely good actual play podcast of Dungeons and Lesbians, where um, Fallon plays Nephros the Degenerate, who is a tiefling ranger, extremely depressed, extremely cowboy, extremely good. Yes, my favorite boy. Yeah, I do personally love to experience him. Today, I am not going to have them talk about Nephros. Because if, if you want to hear that, you go listen to Dungeons and Lesbians. Please go listen to it. I like it. We will hopefully be recording new episodes soon. Yeah! I'm excited. So today I kind of want to, I want to talk to you about Viv. Vivian Almetri? Uh, what pronouns does Viv use, actually? She, her. She's a lady. Okay. I actually didn't know her last name. So, like, that's good. Can you spell that for me? A-L-M-E-T-R-I. Yeah. I love it. So Vivian is, I don't, I, I know hardly anything about Viv, but I already know that she's my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I know Viv is because wife of the Fallon, Roy Fuck Warlock, used to do an extremely very good Twitter that y'all should all follow called 20 Selwyn Teen. That's at 2K Selwyn, S-E-L-W-Y-N-T-E-E-N on Twitter. Where Roy would draw one picture of Selwyn Moondown, who is Roy's PC, every day. And sometimes Viv would show up, and it was very good. Yeah, it was extremely good to me. Can you elevator pitch her for me? Uh, okay. Viv is a 30-year-old human barbarian from the Western Uthgard Bear Clan. She left home at 18 for various backstory reasons uh, to live her own life. She is a lady who is mostly about self-determination and self-actualization. And she lives every day to the fullest. Like I said, she's my mom. Yeah, she is. She's everyone's mom. Viv's a barbarian, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. I know that there's, like, two canon, quote-unquote, types of barbarians that you can play right now, from what I understand. Yeah. Because I'm still, like, trying to figure out how barbarians work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the one that I'm very familiar with is the one where um, you fly into a rage, but then you get really, really, really sleepy afterwards. Right. Viv is the other kind. Is that right? Yes. She's a um, Path of the Totem barbarian. Okay. Can you explain to me what that means? Because I don't really know about that kind. Path of the Totem Barbarians have totem animals that can grant them extra special powers and abilities or whatever. And her totem animal is a bear. And so she could fly into a rage and do whatever. And then the other the other path is the Path of the Berserker, I believe. Which is just yeah. like, yeah, that's the crazy shit that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I have a couple Path of the Berserker uh, barbarians. Yeah, so Viv was the Path of the, the Totem barbarian. And she has a bear, right? She's like bear-themed? Yes, she is bear-themed. She does not own a bear, unfortunately. That would be sick as fuck, but she is she is definitely bear-themed. Okay. She she has a necklace with a little... Um, a little oh shoot i think it's a lapis lazuli bear that got gifted to her by i think i'm pretty sure a bear spirit i'm not sure anymore because this was my first D session not it was like my first D game that i ever played so it, we ended a while ago it's your first pc yes yeah yes she was my very first pc which is why she's a human because, you know, I was very overwhelmed. What made you select Barbarian, though? Um, Actually, I, ch- I did this thing where I found this, I guess, a blank chart online where you could draw one of every class of D&D character. And I decided that I was going to do that just to brainstorm and come up with PCs for this game. And so they were alphabetical and I got through the first two rows before I got bored because I have ADD. The barbarian was the one that ultimately ended up winning out. And it was, it was Viv. So you're one of your PCs that you're playing right now, right? Aurora mm-hmm. is also a bear, yes. but she's like an actual bear, like a beautiful fuzzy white bear who walks on like, yep. She's a polar bear and she's eight feet tall. The dream. Exactly. Something- I, too, hope to be eight feet tall someday. Yeah, me. Why bears? On a personal level, I really connect with bears. I think they're very sweet, funny, excellent animals. They're probably my favorite animals. And I don't know. I just kind of, I like bears. And they're easy to connect with. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I just think it's really cool that, like, you took a trait from your first character and brought it into, like, future characters. I think that's really nice. Yeah. I just honestly wanted to play a bear. (laughs) It's good. I mean, I wanted to play a character with pointy ears. That's, that's how coin happened. You did that. You know. So can you tell me what Viv looks like? Uh, Viv is... I believe six feet tall. She's either six feet or tall or six two. Again, the dream. Yeah. She is long, very dark brown hair that's shaved at the back and sides. The dream. But the top, the top is, yeah, the top she keeps in a long high ponytail. Um, she has, uh, I would say medium brown skin. She's covered in scars. She has a scar across her left eye she has fairly strong features um she's broad shoulders she's fairly flat chested though she does have like a little bit of titty it's nothing crazy because it's just not very uh it's not conducive to to fighting you know and she's she's very well built very muscular hunky definitely butch she typically wears fairly um simple clothes she doesn't really like to show out like that leather boots and plain usually sleeveless (laughs) linen shirts uh she usually has a bear pendant around her neck the pendant was gifted to her by i believe a bear spirit i could be wrong on that though it also contains a polymorph charm in it that gives her titties and she it's not very curvy. She's kind of built like a rectangle. She's got, you know, big sword swinging hands. And she 
is a beautiful lady. She has a polymorph charm that gives her titties. Yeah, because she's trans. Oh shit! Yeah, that's 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 a whole thing that I can definitely talk about. I'm very hype about it. Yeah, tell me. It plays a pretty big part in her story. Um, she comes from a matriarchal community. She's the daughter of not the the chief, but kind of the head of the head of the bear clan. And her grandma is the the head healer. And she, you know, is a trans woman. So she didn't really feel like she could live as herself where she was living with her family. And her mother and father died when she was pretty young. So she was mostly taken care of by her grandma. And she never really felt like she could be herself. She knew from a young age that she was a girl, but she also knew that being a girl would mean she would have a lot of authority and responsibility thrust upon her. And she didn't really want that. So when she turned 18, she was still not openly living as a girl she decided that she was going to leave. She told them that she was going to go explore the world for a while and return possibly someday. And she left and she didn't really look back. She knew that while they would probably accept her, that that really wouldn't be an issue. Uh, She just did not want to face the level of authority and level of responsibility that was going to be thrust upon her should she come out as the woman that she was. So she left to go live her own life and live as Vivian and live her own truth instead of having to stay at home where she would either have to live completely unhappily or, well, I mean, kind of both options sucked for her. So she didn't want to do either. (laughs) So she left and did her own thing. I just got to tell you, I'm smiling super, super big right now. (laughs) You can't see it, but I am. Because, like, so, like, you know I'm trans. And, like, Uh now the podcast knows I'm trans. And, like, all of my D&D characters are trans. And, like, it helped me figure that out. So I, I like to hear about trans D&D characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like all of my D&D characters are gender nonconforming in some way because I, too, am gender nonconforming in some way, and that's what I know. It would be pretty difficult for me to play a completely cis character because that's just not an experience that I have in my life. Yeah, big same. Like, even when I identified as cis, it was not... It was just kind of the experience of a closeted non-binary person. So I don't really have the experience necessary to play cis characters with any kind of authenticity. I think it's it's good because D&D, D&D is a good safe space to explore yourself and explore who you might be, who you could be, who you want to be. And I think it's good. It's important to me to be able to have that kind of self-expression. You know, it's it's nice to be able to go around as this cool six foot tall lady who goes around fucking ladies and having a great time and just kicking ass like that's the dream yeah it's good i want to go back a little bit tell me how she got her left eye scar i never really thought about it because to be honest with you she has a lot of scars and it was probably just something that she got in battle one day Like, she probably thought about it as much as she thought about any of her other scars because she's not, like, the kind of person who's like, oh, no, my beautiful face. It's just just another one of her scars to her. So it's, 
I kind of consider it the same way. You know, I don't really pay it that much attention. I never, I never really thought it was anything other than she got it in battle. Yeah, absolutely. I was just wondering, cause last week, um, Kat talked about, uh, her OC Jake has like a hashtag scar and there was actually like a story behind like how he got those. And so I was wondering about that. Yeah, but that's okay. Cause like, I think, um, you know, especially for, a barbarian and a character who does a lot of physical fighting. It makes sense. It's kind of like when you get like a bruise on your leggy or whatever, you're like, I don't know how that got there. Oh yeah. She, she doesn't even think about that shit. She really just doesn't think about it anymore. She just kind of treats her body like it's, you know, it's reliable, but it's okay to get banged up. Sometimes she kind of wears it with honor or wears it with pride. I should say, you know, I love her. I like her too. Even if she's kind of a coward. Why is that? Why would you say that about her? Well, she ran away from her responsibilities for really no good reason other than she just didn't want to do it. Looks at Quinn. Yeah. Like, really? That's They they do have that in common. That's funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I never thought about it either because I didn't, I guess I didn't know. And she spent, she spent 12 years avoiding going back and telling them the truth to the point where she never learned how to read or write. So she would have an excuse not to write them. But then, you know, Selwyn and Shafarn, their dragonborn cleric, uh, eventually taught her how to read and write. And she ended up communicating with them and they ended up coming to her aid in the final battle or whatever. So it was really good. So Selwyn and Shafarn taught Viv how to read. Yeah. They taught her how to read and how to write. Does, so does, do they have, do they have all like access to like books and shit or like, did they just like kind of like, uh, you know, you're walking to a town and they see a sign that says like, this town is five miles away. And they'd be like, Hey Viv, it says this one, you know? Um, they taught her the alphabet first, and they taught her through books and stuff. So they definitely had resources. Like, um, uh, Shafarn was a cleric of Ion, so it was... He had a bunch of books. <laughs> yeah, that's how clerics be. And And does she like to read for fun now? Or does she just do it because, like, that's a skill? That she has. Uh, she does it because it's a skill that she has. She enjoys uh, drinking and kissing women and marauding and making money. So that's usually what she's interested in. But she'll read a book every now and again. It's good. Okay, so we touched a little bit on them. Can you... Um, I, I kind of want you to describe the world that she lives in. Um, and, and her party mates, her friends, but kind of like from her perspective, like what is, you know? I guess, could you, could you like explain that a little more? I guess set the scene for me. Like what is, are y'all playing in the canon D&D world of like, yes. it's medieval yes, high we're fantasy. Playing- Yes. And are there any, like, changes from the canon, or...? Uh, not really. It was a it was a pretty canon D&D 5e adventure. Okay, um, I, I guess just... Okay, so, so technology level is 
basic, you know, there's not like cell phones yeah. or anything. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. It's it's basically yeah, medieval high fantasy. Yeah, then tell me about her party. Um what did who are they? What does she think of them? Um her party consisted of her, Selwyn, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Archibald, uh Chiffarn, I think that was it. Gren sometimes. Gren was an NPC who kind of was a was a DM PC. <laughs> yeah, she came to really love, respect, and appreciate all of her party members. She, I think, probably loved Selwyn the most and took his side the most because she had kind of latched onto him as a mother figure. And he had similarly latched onto her that way. So she kind of went with him a lot and protected him, but she respected everyone else. She had a bit of a rivalry with Archibald who the gang, everybody called him Archie. He was this, uh, Eladrin, uh, paladin. Is that how you say that word? Paladin? No, I've been saying Eladrin. It's probably Eladrin. I wonder. I say Eladrin or Eladrin. Eladrin sort of makes it sound like it's like Benadryl, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so she had an art. Sorry, I interrupted you. She had a rivalry with Archie. Yeah, just because she liked to think that she was the strongest in the group, and Archie was, you know, a very like a six foot three Eladrin paladin with all this armor and shit on. So they had that kind of a kind of a superficial rivalry, but it wasn't like it wasn't like oh I hate your ass, oh you're a piece of shit, you know. It, it wasn't like that. I think they fought once, and Viv actually lost, probably because she was drunk. Uh, she thought Jean-Claude was an enigma, but respected them. I'll, I'll go through everybody. Okay, let me see. So Archie was an Eladrin. Uh, Shafarn, who Viv respected and appreciated, was a uh, green dragonborn. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was an air genasi. And then Selwyn was, of course, a health. A uh, moon health. A hamon elf. elf. A hamon It's a JoJo reference. Yeah. A hamon Yeah, like a funny JoJo reference, though. A hamon Yeah, and they... It was contentious and sort of apathetic at first, but the longer they adventured together, the more they grew together as, you know, a unit. So that was really nice. Why did the party get together? To help stop these different elemental cults that were trying to get together to bring about the end of the world. But you said they were apathetic at first? Well, they were sort of thrown together. Yeah. So it took them a while to sort of get into the groove about being around each other. They were apathetic towards each other, not about the situation. That's what I mean. Like, how how did Viv meet all these different kinds of people? They, oh God, this was so long ago, Scout. I think they came across somebody from the Earth cult and there was, there was something about, it was like, they had this like secret underground tunnel and they, there was this whole earthquake that revealed it and these people volunteered to go down and explore it and the party was among some of these people 
Yeah, I think that was it. I'm eating blueberries again. Oh, I thought that was baby cat. No. <laughs> like, that's a loud baby cat. So I asked cat this. So I want to keep going on this thread because mm-hmm. I think it's like a good way to do. So like, Fallon, you are a musical theater occasionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know what an I want song is? Oh, yes. Yeah. What is, um, what's Viv's I want song? And, and not like in a literal sense, but like if she was going to sing an I want song, what would it be about? What does she, what does she want? to obtain that will help her grab this like self-actualization of her storyline uh is it bad that i want to say that one song that quasimodo sings oh out there track of notre dame yeah that's like young so so what do you mean like what does she wants to know like what's in the world i guess yeah but what about like when I, I guess, like, what kind of motivation drove her through her adventure? Like, what did she want to gain from it? She wanted to live her best life and sort of make a name for herself outside of the the Bear Clan. And she wanted to sort of distance herself from that life. So did you have any, like, inspirations when you... I, I know that, like, you started making Viv based on, like, a generator. but like. As she kind of evolved or like you got a grasp on her as your own, did, did you have anything that you pulled from? I would say the chief inspiration that I can think of right now is Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. I don't really know. I guess I just kind of wanted her to be like my perfect woman. <laughs> Just, like, sort of, like, the ideal kind of cool, awesome lady that I would want to be. So I was like, yeah, I'll give her a big fucking sword. Like, yeah, I'll give her huge, cool muscles. Yeah, I'll give her a huge, cool ponytail and make her, like, irresistible to the ladies. Fuck it. Sure, I'll seduce any lady that walks by me. I can do that. That would be fucking awesome. So I did. And it was good to experience. See, I have a character that I kept doing for the same reason, and their name is Oral Olsnheim. Okay. And they're a health goth tiefling, and same hat. Love it. Same big hat. I wanted shaved sides, so I gave them shaved sides. I wanted them to be, I wanted to be really tough, so I made them really tough. Yeah, that's how it be. I love that. Uh, And it's good to do, is the thing. It is very good to do. So I guess that leads into my next question. So, like, I, Scout, had never made an OC, like, a true, like, this is my character mm-hmm. before Dean, before Quinn. But, like, have you? Did, was that, like, something that you have done before? Oh, absolutely. I have a shitload of experience making OCs. That was basically all I did in middle school. I had probably upwards of 50 at one point. And I mean, I know that sounds like a lot, but compared to other people, no. it really isn't. Um, I I only had a couple that I really, really, really latched on to, though. But I did have I did have plenty of OCs. And only, only a few of them have sort of made it through that, you know, whole kind of angsty teen situation into the present day. 
But yeah, I definitely, I definitely had OCs. And why? Like, what was your motivation back then? And what's your motivation now? And has it changed at all? I guess I just like making stories. I like making things that I enjoy experiencing. I like having these characters that I can mess around with and put them in any kind of situation I want to put them in and draw them doing whatever and write them doing whatever. I don't know. I think it's just fun. It's like a cool little pastime to have if you can do it. Like if you can write and you can draw, you can have as many characters and as many universes and as many worlds, as many experiences as you want. And and do you think that's, like, that has carried on for you now? Even, like, out of that, like, middle school type of thing? Yeah, you know what? I think it has. And I think the only problem I have recently is just kind of a creative dearth of things. I haven't... I need to make new characters because I feel like it is such an important thing to have in your life. And I just haven't been experiencing it that much lately, just out of depression or lack of motivation or, you know, whatever. Uh, But yeah, I definitely still feel the same way even when I'm not, you know, making a bunch of embarrassing OCs. I mean, but you got quite a few now that are very good. And I do very much. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. I hear from, I hear from a lot of people that my OCs are like relatable or whatever. And I'm happy to hear that, you know, it's just like, it kind of, I don't know. It makes me feel good. Even if it's like a sad part of the OC or whatever, it's still like, Oh, well, thank you. That's really nice. But you're valid. Thank you. Is there anything you want to talk about about Viv in particular that we haven't talked about before yet? Uh, She falls in love with people really easily because she's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about romance. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about romance because she had this girl that was a member of the air cult and she didn't realize... Because the cults were based off of the four elements. So there was the air cult, the fire cult, the earth cult, and the water cult. So this girl was a member of the air cult, but she didn't realize that it was a cult until, you know, they swooped in and basically saved everyone and killed everyone that needed killing. And so she started this, like, chaste relationship with this girl, Severa, who it was really weird because Vivian was not into the whole chaste stuff before now. Like she was kind of like, like rough and ready, you know? So it was kind of weird that she was pursuing this relationship where she wasn't sort of getting immediate gratification, but it was like a romance. Like she like wrote Severa letters, which was really weird for her because she, you know, had just learned how to write. (laughs) Yeah. When she gets a chance to, she falls really hard for people. And she has a big heart and she genuinely cares about everyone she makes a connection with. But I I don't think I caught what kind of uh, creature uh, Severa was. Oh, she's a human. Gotcha. Oh, wait. Is she a human or is she a half elf? I think she's a human. Yeah, she's a human. Did y'all... See, this is really interesting for me, Scout, personally. Because, like, 
So, like, y'all campaign is called hashtag crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, Scout, have been following the adventures of hashtag crew. Like, I want to say, like, halfway since y'all were, like, halfway through your game. Mm-hmm. Because of 2017. Yeah. And, like, D&D, like, this is, like, another big reason why I wanted to make this show is because, like, D&D is so very good and tabletop gaming is so very good. But it, the thing that really sucks about it is, like, how insular the hobby can be. Because right. like, everybody, like, you know, oh, yeah, I have this really cool character and I have this really cool party and the story is very cool. And that's very good. But, like, at the end of the day, unless you record it or make a podcast or a stream or whatever you want to do with it, like, unfortunately, the only people who will ever experience that story is the people who are at the table. So it can be very good, but it can also be a little lonely, which stinks. So like, that's why I think it's really important, like for me to get super invested in my friends' stories and campaigns and ask what's going on. Cause like I, well, I I think if number one, it's really interesting because it's a, it's this like window into a world that I'm like, it's kind of like the world I'm experiencing in my campaigns, but it's Mm -hmm. a little bit different. It's like, you know, and, and, and I think it also like fosters goodwill between people and, you know, because you should be interested in what your friends are doing. Definitely. And I, I just, I think it's really fun because like, it makes it a little bit less lonely if you have like people to talk about it with. But I agree. For a while, I really only knew what was going on in the crew from the Selwyn perspective and then later on the Grunt perspective. Mm. So I'm, I'm excited to learn the Viv perspective. Yeah, of course. If you and have then, any questions about the Viv perspective, let me know. I have to think about them more. We actually did. So I asked on Twitter for people to send in some questions for us. Okay. And we actually did get one question in. Okay. So we can both answer this one. So this comes from friend of the show, Scooter Lewis, um, on Twitter. And he asks, what's the worst food your OC enjoys? Worst in either concept, health, or overall enjoyability, interpret it as you see fit. So, like, you answer for Viv, and I'll answer for Quinn, because, like, I do eventually want to do an episode about him. Um, and, and I have a very good answer for this. Okay, um, I think Viv probably enjoys tripe and assorted entrails. Oh, my God! Yeah. Ooh, that is bad. See, like, I remember, I think about tripe, my mom used to like always complain about having to eat tripe as a kid because hmm. like they would serve it at like the Sunday family like pasta dinners. She'd always be like, "It tastes like rubber bands," and I can't even imagine what that must be like. Ooh, I mean, tripe. you know, in Viv's community, they ate every single part of the animal. You know, so yeah. it would have been wasteful if she didn't. And you know, you just kind of get a taste for it. So I feel like she enjoys tripe and stomach and liver and intestines and all that good shit the entrails the entrails yeah is that how you say that word entrails yeah and viscera or viscera Viscera. Vriska. (laughs) Vriska. 
I have a briscal urge to choke you right now. Thanks. You're welcome. <gasps> holy fucking holy. Okay. Um. So Quinn, my special baby half elf boy. Um. The worst food he likes to eat is fruit salad, and I think you probably already know this. I think I've told you about mm-hmm. this before. Um. Quinn. See, fruit salad is not necessarily, like, a bad food. I don't think it has any sort of anything bad attached to it. Because fruit salad is good, you know? Fruits and sugar and everybody loves it. It's very happy. The reason it's bad is because Quinn loves to eat fruit salad, the canned kind, but he loves to drink the fruit salad juice. Like the syrup? Yeah, the the thick syrup. Oh, God. Because he's a nasty boy. That's so gross. He also, like, um, when he makes a mac and cheese, when he occasionally makes a mac and cheese, um, he really, really likes to... God, this is nasty. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Just go. Just say it. Just fucking okay. say it. Um, you, 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 you know when you do a craft mac and cheese and you make the sauce out of the milk? Yes. He, he likes to pour in extra milk because he likes to drink the cheese water. After the oh, God! <laughs> the cheese water? <laughs> yeah, the, the cheese fucking milk gross. water. fucking gross. He's a nasty boy. He's very gross. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, Quinn just, just likes intestines. I think, I think that's the thing. That's the thing at the end of the day. Quinn loves a sauce. She's like Andrew Zimmern. Yeah, he's probably like one of those people who like, um... You know, like when he just loves the sauce. See, this doesn't really apply because Quinn doesn't eat meat. But like, okay, if he was going to have like a vegetable stew or something, Quinn would really appreciate like the brothy parts of the stew. And then when it's done, he'd be like, "Okay, gotta get some bread now," and like wipe up all. I the do love me a sauce, but I don't love me a sauce enough to make a purposefully watery. Uh, mac and cheese. <laughs> um, okay. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. All right. Alan, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at America's Burden and on Instagram at TurboQueer. Fallon, do you want to plug Dungeons and Lesbians? Oh, yeah. So DNL is the podcast that I do with a bunch of other lesbians. It's our AP podcast. And we've been on a hiatus for a few months because shit just got rough for a little while bit. A little while. Yeah. So you kind of know how it goes. But we're going to hopefully start recording new episodes in a little bit here. Once we can all get our schedules figured out because we're all adults with jobs. But we are at a... We're at a, a DNL cast on Twitter and I believe Tumblr. And you can find us on all available streaming platforms. And you should experience because I love it very, very much. You should experience it. We've had a couple struggles since we started, but we're trying our best and we're doing a relatively good job. Like, okay. And let me tell you something. Our wonderful DM, MJ recently got a job as an editor on one of cat cool's new podcasts and that means they probably sent in dnl as 
as like a resume for their editing work as portfolio work, which means that Cat Cool has probably heard DNL. And let me just tell you, I'm shitting my fucking pants. (laughs) I love that. Just saying. So that's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Please listen to Dungeons and Lesbians. It makes me scout super happy. Thank you. Um, And it's the reason why I fight with Fallon and Roy, you know. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for letting me be on this show and talk about Viv a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love to do it. And I want to get you back to talk about Aurora and Tehran. Yeah, sure. I don't see why not. So, you can find me, Scat Sheer, at Alderani on Twitter. That's at A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N-I. I do two podcasts. So there's this one, Original Character Do Not Steal, which you're currently listening to. And we have a Twitter now. It's at OCDNSCast. And you can send um, you can send questions in. I'll be having a couple people on in the next couple weeks. So Sarah, um, Sarah McClintock from Unpick and Pod of Greed. Uh, she'll be talking about her character, Tesco Blunderbuss. I'm going to have... Um, Wife of the Fallon, Roy, Roy Fuck Warlock on. Um, Roy oh, thank God. Talking. She actually agreed to do it. Yeah. Yay. Um, yeah. So Roy's going to be on talking about the Silverpool siblings who are the lead NPCs of a campaign uh, she DMs right now called Faceros that Fallon is also in playing two characters. Yeah, um, it's really fun. It's good. I love to see it. I'm going to have Colin at Pagetish on, and they're going to be talking um, one episode about Gibson, who is in Faceros, and one episode about Grund, who is the yes. NPC uh, that we were talking about earlier from Hashtag Crew. I'm going to have um, Kat's going to be back on. Um, my best friend Jacob is going to come on and talk about some of his OCs. Um, not from D&D, but they are um, some of his longtime OCs that are more based in a real-type world, which I'm very mm-hmm. excited about. Um, I'm going to have my friend Reed at AR Must Die on um, talking. I actually don't know who we're going to talk about yet, so I'm really excited for that. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of people coming on, so, like, you know, sending it's questions. It's good. It's good. Uh, I also do another podcast. With my friend Amanda, which I promise we're going to get up this week, called Unlimited Blade Jerks. Um, We're on Twitter at at UBJCast. And Unlimited Blade Jerks is about the Fate series of anime and video games and uh, mobile uh, gotcha games and stuff. Um, But we're going to be watching the anime series and we're going to start with Fate Zero. And I'm very excited about it yes and 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 yeah that's where you can find us on the internet so sending questions to at ocdnscast because answering questions is is what i we do here it's good yeah yeah thank you fallon you're welcome thank you scout you're welcome so we're gonna sign off now and i'm gonna tell you you're valid and you're valid yeah Good night. Good night. This This has has been been a Mesa Verde Verde Media Production. production.